Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. Welcome to AASHTO's ETAP Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. In 2022, the United States experienced a number of severe weather events, including floods, droughts, extreme blizzards, and hurricanes. Those severe weather events affected communities, animal habitats, and especially transportation infrastructure. Last month, millions of residents across the U.S. were impacted by major winter storms and floods that damaged homes and transportation infrastructure across a large swath of the United States, including New York. In New York's case, the upstate region, in and around Buffalo, suffered through a combination of heavy snowfall and sub-zero Arctic temperatures. Over the last several years, state DOTs took steps to strengthen the resilience of the transportation systems under their purview, while also maintaining the safety and efficiency of those networks as well. That includes the New York State Department of Transportation. Here with us today is NYSDOT Commissioner Marie-Therese Dominguez to discuss how New York is working to improve the resiliency of its transportation system statewide and what her agency has learned from the Christmastime blizzard and Arctic freeze event. Commissioner Dominguez, welcome to Ashtow's ETAP podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. We're going to be talking quite a bit today about resilience. So I think maybe a good place to start because different people have different definitions of resilience. How does New York State DOT define resilience in terms of the transportation system? I think I'll start with the human side of it, which is I think we're an incredibly resilient group of folks here in New York State. If you take the weather circumstances alone over the course of the last year, we've endured a lot. If you go back as far as Superstorm Sandy and take it even further back to 9-11, you'll see that the people of New York State are incredibly resilient. And um, that translates directly to our infrastructure and uh, how we look at it. We define resiliency as a state DOT in many of the same terms that Federal Highway Administration looks at. So we literally take the definition uh, very literally, which is the ability to anticipate, prepare for, and adapt to changing conditions and withstand, respond to, and recover rapidly from disruptions. And that is short and succinct, but it really covers an incredible amount of information. And I think taking that fundamental definition and extrapolating it to all the elements of our mission, whether that's on the operations and maintenance side of our mission, uh, looking at every single, we are really first responders in the sense that we are directly responsible for snow and ice operations and maintenance of all of our transportation networks across the state, roads, bridges, all the infrastructure. Lord knows we have a very, very intense uh, snow and ice mission. You extrapolate that into our engineering instructions and everything that we do and our very aggressive climate goals. New York State has, uh, in the last three years, passed one of the most aggressive and broad and far-reaching climate initiatives under the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. And transportation is a critical element of making sure that our greenhouse gas emissions uh, not only are reduced, but that we're building in resiliency in all elements of our infrastructure and our communities across the state. So it's a very broad definition in mm-hmm. answering your question. Well, New York is certainly a very broad state in many respects. And you touched on this a bit in what you just said, where 
Buffalo, upstate New York can really be hit by some huge snowstorms, but then you have Long Island sticking out into the Atlantic Ocean, which is susceptible to hurricanes like Superstorm Sandy. So does resilience really differ in terms of what you have to plan for, say, in upstate New York versus downstate and, and on Long Island as an example? I'll answer that in the sense that from a broad perspective, you have you just got to the heart of what makes New York unique. When you talk to meteorologists, one of the things that they enjoy the most about, you know, forecasting the weather in New York State is that you can go from western New York and have a blizzard coming up with lake effects, snow coming up with the Great Lakes, right? And at the same time, have a hurricane hitting Long Island. And that diversity of weather conditions and coastal lakes, mountains, you know, we've got the Adirondacks, the Catskills, and the Great Lakes, it makes for such a diversity of not just geography, but what we have to be prepared to respond to. And that gets to the level of resiliency that we prepare for. So whether that's hydraulic analysis, because all of this obviously has to do a lot with proximity to water, not only making sure that we're designing for that, but that uh, navigational requirements are taken into consideration, flooding, floodplain standards, et cetera, and then scouring and, you know, whatever that is that we need to look at in terms of bridges, roads, infrastructure, seismic events, salt application, because we're in the Northeast, right? We, uh, unfortunately, we need to use a lot of salt to make sure that people can uh, access the system safely and the road system safely. So again, it all goes back to not only just proximity to water bodies, but um, how do we actually address it in terms of operations, maintenance, and uh, building of our infrastructure. You touched again on this, and certainly if you just took roads by themselves, New York State has quite a bit of responsibility, but there's more to it. There's the MTA, which is a state agency which operates two commuter railroads, Metro North and the Long Island Railroad. There are Airports throughout New York State that you have responsibility for, bridges uh, under MTA bridges and tunnels. So there's a lot of different infrastructure that you have to be concerned with in New York, isn't there? There is. It's uh, indeed a very diverse and multimodal system. So MTA has is a separate entity, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, obviously taking in the airports for both New York and New Jersey and some of the other infrastructure roads and bridges that they also maintain. But if you just take New York State DOT alone, we have all of that. We have roads, bridges, tunnels. We work directly with all the transit systems, up to anything outside of MTA. We actually run the bus service ourselves. We've got the airports that we work directly with, a few of which we manage directly and others that we obviously work with, all the upstate airports in particular. And we also have ports. We're very supportive of the port infrastructure system in upstate New York. So all of it getting to the sense that not only are we a multimodal transportation entity, but fundamentally it gets back to what our mission is, which is connecting people. And one of the things that we're most passionate about at New York State DOT is the sense of this level of connectivity. How do we make sure that we are not only connecting people to jobs and work and healthcare? but that we're providing it in a way that's going to improve their quality of life and in ways that are accessible to everyone, that level of equity across the board. So by pet access, 
making sure that people of all abilities have access to transportation. That's fundamental at our core. And so indeed we embrace all, all modes of transportation. Talking a little bit about, again, the diversity of New York and the day that we're recording this, it's snowing up in the Capital District. Downstate, it's just rain. Fortunately, not a big storm like we had just before Christmas in Western New York, where Buffalo got hit with 40 plus inches of snow. When you have something that big, are you able to call on resources from elsewhere in the state that isn't as severely impacted to help those regions that are severely impacted and even call on other states to help out in those kinds of situations? We did. I have to say, you know, one of the great things about our workforce and our our team at New York State DOT, I always, you know, look at our team as problem solvers. So one of the things that we have had the capacity to do and which we have done certainly this winter, given the uh, severity of the winter that we had just coming in November, had a record level of snow in Western New York. And then again, with this devastating blizzard in Buffalo at Christmas, it was the ability to actually flex our resources statewide. We were preparing in December for a statewide event. If you'll recall, the forecast called for ice across the state, mix of freezing rain and ice and then snow. And so we have the ability to, and the snow in Western New York ended up being record proportion with category three level winds, 79 uh, mile an hour winds in Buffalo for over four days, whiteout conditions, sub-zero temperatures for multiple days. It turned out to be very, very, very significant and deadly storm. That said, we have the capacity and indeed with every storm, we plan out 72 hours, if not more in this case, over a week in advance to make sure that we're pre-positioning resources and deploying them in advance of any any storm. So the great thing is is that our snowplow drivers, our equipment, our Sawyer crews, meaning tree cutting crews, everybody, any resource that we think we may need in response to a storm, we're able to flex and move. In this case, we moved uh, snowplow drivers from Long Island out to Western New York, all anticipating what, what we were likely to face and in fact did face. And then we surged those resources through the course of the snow event And then given the severity of what we were dealing with in Buffalo, we also had some great mutual aid, not only from the counties and cities here in New York state, but uh, some of our state partners from Ohio and New Jersey and Pennsylvania also were assisted. And we were very grateful for it across the board. When you have a storm like that, obviously the media was covering it and people across the country saw what was going on in Western New York. But I imagine there are probably some stories that stick out in your mind from that event. What are some of the things that maybe the media did not pick up on, but that really stick out to you in terms of how New York State dealt with a storm like that? Again, the winds, the snow, the cold, all of it put together. I'm reminded, and most recently this weekend, the governor had the a chance to say thank you to ordinary citizens. So not only was it you know, the city, the county, the state resources that were deployed and responding to and the utility crews that were there to help make sure that we could get everything back and moving as quickly as possible. The individual heroism and acts of kindness that members of the public, literally they called the, uh, they call the city of Buffalo, the city of good neighbors for a reason. 
because mm -hmm. people literally go the extra mile above and beyond to really help people out. And this past weekend, we got to hear directly from some of those citizens who truly, literally, you know, a man who was, uh, unfortunately, he left his residence mentally not capable of finding his way. She found him. He was walking in the middle of the blizzard at the height of the blizzard, brought him into her house and literally provided him aid, comfort for many days and literally saved his life. So the other story that I would share with you is a story of what we see in terms of the level of commitment from folks that are fundamentally involved in public service. So whether you're talking about fire and rescue, our police, our snowplow drivers, when you are faced with a situation as dire and severe as the Buffalo blizzard was uh, at the end of 2022, one of the things that I'm constantly amazed by is the level of dedication that people put forward. It's the definition of public service. People go truly above and beyond working 24-hour shifts. We never stopped. Never stopped. So it's the level of preparedness in advance of the storm, all the way through the storm, all the way through cleanup, helping people. Fundamentally, it's about people. And when you talk about that level of commitment at all levels of government, it truly is amazing. And it's those kinds of acts of heroism that we need to constantly remember. You know, one of our snowplow drivers literally came upon a scene where the firefighters were trying to access a home that was burning. And he literally plowed the way to the house to make sure that they could get there. It's those types of things that you have to remember. People go above and beyond in this type of situation. And it really is quite moving in so many different ways. Again, talking about resiliency, I think you touched on this a little bit in terms of the ecosystem is obviously also affected. You think of a superstorm Sandy and all the damage that that did and, and trying to rebuild from something like that. But there are also things that you learn from these kinds of big storms in terms of how you're going to rebuild, perhaps not just putting the things back the way they were, but improving upon that. What are some of the things that you have learned from some of these big storms that change how you rebuild after an event like that? One of the things that we look at constantly is continuous improvement, right? So how, what do we learn from any given storm or any given situation, any extreme weather event? And I think at the 10,000 foot level, it's fundamentally knowing that our climate is changing and we have to take necessary actions to as individuals, but also as a department of transportation to make sure that our infrastructure is prepared for this kind of extreme weather. And so in New York State alone, we face a really unique combination of challenges. We've got, like I said, lake effect snow, uh, hurricanes, flooding. We're not alone in all of this, but uh, given the fact that we have coastal and Great Lakes capability, as well as mountain ranges and enormous watersheds, the increasing storm intensity is really fundamentally something that we're seeing as a result of, I think, the climate changing. So um, a couple summers ago, we saw an intense rain event in the middle of the summer, dumping, you know, record levels, uh, rain from the sky in New York City, flooding out people's uh, apartments. That kind of thing is incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we've got the infrastructure to respond to it. So whether it's making sure that our drainage systems are up and operational, that we're um, using, making sure that we can 
build in that level of resiliency to our design criteria for bridges and for roadways. All of that is something that we've been uh, working at for a long time at New York State DOT. You know, we know that whether it's, you know, the Van Wyck Expressway in, in Queens, where uh, we just reconstructed uh, the Kew Gardens interchange, which is a massive, massive mm-hmm. intersection. I'll call it an intersection, but it's literally <laughs> one of the most complex interchanges, uh, arguably, in the country, bringing in massive highways. And we were able to accommodate 128 degree temperature change factor over the course of any given period of the year, because in the actual infrastructure itself, because of the changing weather patterns, we wanted to make sure that we were building for extreme hot, extreme cold, and that the infrastructure could sustain itself. Because our goal here is to make sure that we're not just building infrastructure that's resilient, but also can withstand at least 75 years worth of capability. So Mm -hmm. duration is, is a big part of that. And I want to wrap up. We have people from state DOTs across the country who are listening to this podcast. Are there any particular lessons learned or advice that you might offer to other state DOTs that are trying to build resilience into their systems and prepare for severe weather events and other things of that sort that they're all having to deal with in one degree or another? I think uh, most state DOTs are more than familiar with uh, with what the resiliency framework actually looks like. And I think state DOTs across the country are, you know, just talking to my colleagues through the ASHTO process. There is so much that we know we need to be prepared for. We've got a lot of lessons learned in New York State, but it's something that we have to carry forward now, right? It's not just the, what we're building for right now, but it's the future. And as we look to the future, we also need to make sure that this next level of investment, whether that's for electric and connected vehicles, you know, how do we build to make sure that our climate objectives are actually meeting the demands of our transportation network and that we're reducing greenhouse gas emissions and hopefully, you know, creating a better environment so that these extreme weather events are reduced. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal here. Mm-hmm. But you know, with that in mind, we need to plan. We have an enormous body of work that transportation state DOTs uh, have been undertaking for many years uh, in the planning side as well as the engineering side, and then fundamentally actually looking at how we how we help in change behavior. Because at the end of the day, it's all about what we do as individuals. Uh, what choices we make. But part of our job as transportation officials is to give people those choices and make sure that they're safe, they're reliable, and they're climate resilient. Well, we've been talking on this episode of Ashto's ETAP podcast with New York State DOT Commissioner Marie-Therese Dominguez. Commissioner Dominguez, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much.